0: The Adams Archive.
1: Hello, you beautiful people, and welcome to the Adams Archive. My name is Austin Adams, and thank you so much for listening today. On today's episode, we have some wild topics to get through, and I'm excited for it. So the very first topic that we're going to talk about today is going to be that the Pentagon actually responded to the idea that Taylor Swift is a PSYOP. Hmm. So we'll look at what the response was, and we'll actually look at the history of this because the fundamental idea around that is that there's a uh, forces that be within our government that want to manipulate the art within our culture in order to influence the culture itself. And so we'll look at the history of that, whether it be Operation Mockingbird by the CIA, whether it be the CIA teaming up with certain artists during the Cold War era. We'll look at all of that together. Then. We'll jump into the next topic, which is going to be that there was some pretty shady stuff found in New York, which actually ended up being an underground tunnel underneath a Jewish synagogue, I believe. So we'll look at that and why. It's pretty, pretty crazy stuff. So there's a couple of theories on it. We'll actually dive into the history of the specific group, because the specific group that we're talking about is a little bit different than your average uh, practicer of Judaism. Um, so we will look at that as well. And then we will dive into some breaking news here, which is that the United States, in hand-in-hand in hand with the... Uh, With Britain, have the UK have actually uh, conducted operations overseas against Houthi rebels, which some believe may be the spark of a war against Iran. So we'll look at the history of that as well. So all of that and more, but first I need you to go ahead and subscribe. If this is your first time, I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Subscribe, and if you are here for your second time, third time, or on, hundredth time, whatever, because we're actually about to hit that hundredth episode. I believe we're on episode 96 right now, which is pretty wild. But thank you for being here. I appreciate you. I love doing this for you guys. Uh, We'll have some cool stuff coming up, some interviews, some really awesome things that I am working on in the background. So thank you for being here. Leave a five-star review and let's jump into it.
0: Adams archive.
1: All right. So the very first topic that we're going to discuss today is going to be that the Pentagon actually responded to the idea that Taylor Swift is a PSYOP. Now, personally, I think this probably couldn't be more accurate. (laughs) And so the reason that I think this, I think this is actually a lot of a part of the public psyche today surrounding Taylor Swift. We see everything that's happening with Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey and Pfizer and her recently saying that she believes that Joe Biden has done a great job and will continue to do a great job and he's exactly what our country needs right now to stop the divisiveness. Like that, the only way that you are saying such a thing, <laughs> even if you voted for Biden and you wholeheartedly believed in him at the very beginning of this, uh, I don't think there's a person out there who is not either protecting their their ego by you know not admitting that they are wrong or are being paid off. And the likelihood that you're being paid off if you're a multi whatever billionaire as Taylor Swift is at this time, and a super famous actor, actress, musician, artist, whatever, is probably pretty, pretty high if you're still sitting there banging the drum of Joe Biden or you're just worried about not getting another job again. So you you go along with the the river that is Hollywood. So it's it's crazy to see how far these people can go. So here we go. Let's go ahead and read this article. This article comes from the Post Millennial, and it is titled, let me go ahead and pull it up here for you. It is titled, Pentagon Claims Taylor Swift Psyop Speculation is a Conspiracy Theory. Hmm. Okay. You have... My attention. <laughs> All right. This article says, after Jesse Waters' show on Tuesday, where he said the government has been turning Taylor Swift into an asset through a PSYOP, Pentagon spokesperson Sabrina Tsai has denied the claim, an idea that first came from Human Events senior editor Jack Pisobiec, Quoting from one of Swift's songs in a statement to politics, Tsai said, As for this conspiracy theory, we are going to shake it off. Wow, catchy. <laughs> she continued to make other Taylor Swift puns in her statement, which stated, But that does highlight that we still need Congress to approve other supplemental budget requests as swiftly as possible so that we can be out of the woods with potential fiscal concerns. Ha ha. On December 6, 2023... Right after Taylor Swift won the Times Person of the Year award, Posobiec posted to X, the Taylor Swift girl boss psyop has been fully activated in her hand-selected vaccine show boyfriend to dink lifestyle to her upcoming 2024 voter operation for Democrats on abortion rights. It's all coming. Uh, And that was in response to the time person of the year being Taylor Swift. And I'm pretty sure that used to be man of the year. And now it's person of the year? I don't know. Pretty sure I heard that. Following the post-acts, Posobiec had Avita Duffy on his show, where they talked about why Swift could rally support for President Joe Biden in the 2024 election year. She's a girl boss. She has lots of failed relationships where she blames the man every time, Duffy then asked, why are we pushing Taylor Swift? Here comes a clip from Jack Posobiec, uh, and let's go ahead and watch it here.
2: Avita Duffy from the Federalists joins us now. Avita, they've just named Taylor Swift the—you uh, know, she's—that's basically her song that was used for that ad, which is a mix of Taylor Swift and Barbie. Just named Taylor Swift times Person of the Year. Uh, I. out about a month ago, you had a great show where you talked about the Taylor Swift army coming online for the 2024 election. Is this what we're seeing now? Are they activating the Taylor Swift PSYOP?
0: Yeah, it's not It's not just happening now. This has been happening for, for pretty much a year. They've been pushing Taylor Swift on us. The The corporate media has these articles fawning over her. She's like the greatest thing that's ever happened to humanity. Meanwhile, her music's pretty mid. Um, If you, it's actually, somebody (laughs) actually did a breakdown of her music and uh, the melodies. She has like the same melody progressions over 20 20 different songs. Um, She's always complaining about the same.
1: Okay, I'm going to have to question how old this girl is. If you're going to use the word mid, you better have been born pre or post. 2000. <laughs> you better be under the age of 23 if you're going to use the word mid. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Anyways, I, I actually agree with this. So, so if you understand what TikTok did, when TikTok first started, TikTok artificially inflated the views, at least this is the idea that people have been talking about, is it took a, a few select amount of influencers and it artificially inflated the views that they were getting on the platform. Those people then, who felt like they were a big deal, went and talked to people about it and told people how many views they were getting on TikTok. As a result, a bunch of people fled into TikTok. And so what they've and, – and they cared – about the original few official people that got their views artificially inflated. I think one of the names of the girls is, I don't know, there was one girl that started TikTok as like the TikTok girl. And now nobody really cares about her, right? She just did like a dance and whatever. And then all of a sudden she got like a billion views. And so the way that they did that is they artificially inflated the views. They artificially created celebrity. And then they made those celebrities influence be valued by the mass Public, right, and so I think that that's exactly what happens with Taylor Swift here. I believe because her music, to be fair, is pretty mid. <laughs> Although I am cannot say that with a straight face and never will. Uh, but Taylor Swift's music is garbage. It's terrible. She's a great uh, performer, and by performer, I mean she has a great team of people around her with fireworks and laser shows and. All of that, but Taylor Swift is a very unimpressive musician, completely unimpressive to me. And the fact that she is the single most highest earning musician, music, musician of all musicians is astounding to me because she's just a performer. Anyways, so that to me lends into the idea. The same way that we will look at this in a minute is they artificially inflate these people's viewership. They they get the mainstream media, the mainstream radio stations, the mainstream award shows to all pump these people up, pump them up, pump them up. Meanwhile, these people are just puppets for whatever they say. from the the powers that be goes. And so that's where this idea of it being a psyop comes from. So let's finish out this clip, if we can tolerate this girl's uh, vocabulary, and then we'll continue on.
0: In breakups over and over again, these songs, Jake Gyllenhaal is somebody who she wrote the song All Too Well About, which is like a 10 minute song where she complains about a man that she dated for, no joke, three months. This is not a, a musical mastermind, and yet the media is pushing her on us uh, constantly. And if you say anything negative about Taylor, the media, the Swifties, and Taylor Swift herself... Okay, I think They'll
1: I know what she's going to say. I'm you a
0: misogynist, and here's why I think that is. <laughs> Taylor Swift is the perfect...
1: Okay, Taylor Swift's music is absolute trash. So the only way that she got into the position that she's in is if she's working with the government. So here is the here is the rest of the article, and it says, and this was December sixth that this conversation happened on Real America's Voice. But it says uh, Waters posted a clip of his segment to X on Wednesday, where he had uh, he said an idea was floated at a NATO meeting in 2019 where Swift could combat online misinformation. So maybe here's some actual evidence of this potentially.
2: Taylor Swift's the biggest star in the world. Sorry, Gutfeld. She's been blanketed across the sports media entertainment atmosphere. The New York Times just speculated she's a lesbian. And last hmm. year's tour broke Ticketmaster. A tour that's revenue tops the GDP of 50 countries. Wow. I mean, I like her music. She's all right. But I mean, have you ever wondered you like why or how she blew up like this? Well, around four years ago, the PENTAGON Psychological Operations Unit floated turning Taylor Swift into an asset during a NATO hmm. meeting. What kind of asset? A psyop for combating online misinformation. Listen, you
1: came in here wanting to understand how you just go out there and counter an information operation. Well, the idea is that social influence can help, uh, can help uh, encourage or. Uh, Promote behavior change, so potentially as like a peaceful information operation. I include Taylor Swift in here because she's, um, you know, she's a fairly influential online person. I don't know if you've heard of her.
2: Yeah, that's real. The Pentagon psyop unit pitched NATO on turning Taylor Swift into an asset for combating misinformation online. This is nothing new. In the 1950s, the government strong-armed Louis Armstrong into doing propaganda tours across Africa. THE C.I.A. did the same thing with jazz singer Nina Simone, except they did it without her really knowing. In the 70s, Nixon enlisted Elvis in his war on drugs. He gave the king a badge and named him a covert federal law enforcement agent.
1: <laughs>
2: Michael Jackson was tapped by Reagan, using his song Beat It in his public service campaigns against teen drinking and driving. Michael Jackson persuading minors not to drink. Anyway... SO IS SWIFT A FRONT FOR A COVERT POLITICAL AGENDA? PRIMETIME OBVIOUSLY HAS NO EVIDENCE. IF WE DID, WE'D SHARE IT. BUT WE'RE CURIOUS BECAUSE THE POP STAR WHO ENDORSED BIDEN IS URGING MILLIONS OF HER FOLLOWERS TO VOTE. SHE'S SHARING LINKS. AND HER BOYFRIEND, TRAVIS KELSEY, SPONSORED BY PFIZER, AND THEIR RELATIONSHIPS BOOSTED THE NFL RATINGS THIS SEASON, BRINGING IN A WHOLE NEW DEMOGRAPHIC. SO HOW IS THE PSYOP GOING? Well, as usual, Biden's not calling the shots because he doesn't even know who Taylor Swift is. He's confused her with Britney Spears and Beyonce. Hmm. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or, 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 or Britney's tour. She's down in, it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. <laughs> Former FBI agent wow, Stuart Kaplan. That is
1: brutal. Stuart, just now, Stuart is this- Britney Spears-
2: Feasible-
3: Jesse, the deployment of a PSYOP in the United States in this day and age is still illegal. Um, the national security law prohibits oh, the yeah, deployment just like of everything else they using do, an operative for psychological warfare. However, if I was running Biden's management perception team, I would identify someone who would align themselves with my agenda, such as a Taylor Swift who has close to 600 million followers. I would target her. I would engage her, and I would get her what get her to do what we used to see as like public service announcements, and that type of enlistment, that type of solicitation is analogous to the old days of deployment of a psyop. And so, in modern times, with these people having such influence and such, you know, immeasurable amount of followers, she can potentially single-handedly swing voters because of just the amount of followers that she potentially can influence. So the answer is yes, Jesse.
1: Yeah, because when. Wow. And I completely agree, right? We see even back historically between Elvis and Louis Armstrong, this has been done before. This isn't a new tactic. And so as we go on, we'll see. and, And I wanted to kind of Preempt this for you, and, and he talked about it a little bit with Travis Kelsey. All of and and even behind that was the TikTok. There was a whole trend around the Travis Kelsey Taylor Swift relationship situation on TikTok. Right, people were going crazy. Girls were making jokes to their their husbands and their boyfriends, and those were going viral. And I talked about this last time. Is if anything is going quote unquote viral and you think it's organic, the likelihood of that is probably low. If it's the number one most most popular trend at the time, it's very likely that that was at least in some way, shape or form, even allowed potentially, if that's the word you want to use, instead of being uh, stifled, they, they at least allow it to happen because it fits their agenda. And if it didn't fit their agenda, they would slap it with a big misinformation, disinformation, or at the very least, they would shadow ban the content. And so we know that at this point, and as we start to look at more around this, I guess there's even more situations, but it says, uh, and I wonder if we can look at the response, but that was crazy. The fact that the Pentagon, PSYOP, organization within the Pentagon actually came and pitched the idea. They pitched the idea that they could use Taylor Swift to conduct a PSYOP against the American people. That's, an, that's actual footage available right now. I had no idea before watching that. And that is just Crazy. So, as we go back in history, I wanted to start to have a discussion surrounding this and and see historically what ways has art and culture been manipulated by governmental forces to align their agenda with yours. And so we can go back and we can look at this in a few different ways. And historically, there has been not only Elvis and Louis Armstrong, but historically, there's been many, many governments that have done this from Nazi Germany. And I listed a few here after doing some research. And under Adolf Hitler, the Nazi regime used music as a propaganda tool to reinforce its ideologies and suppress any opposing or non-Germanic cultural expressions. Jewish musicians and composers were not only banned from performing, but many were also persecuted and sent to concentration camps. The regime particularly promoted classical composers like Richard Wagner and Ludwig van van Beethoven, who were seen as epitomizing Aryan and Germanic culture. Music played a pivotal role in Nazi rallies and events, being used to evoke emotions of pride and nationalistic fervor among the masses. Hitler Youth was also heavily indoctrinated with music that promoted Nazi ideology. So there's one. The Soviet government, under Joseph Stalin, reinforced strict control over the arts, including music. Composers like, forgive me, Dmitry Shuskovich and Sergei Prokofiev, faced severe restrictions and were often compelled to adapt their compositions to fit the state's demands for music that glorified socialism and the Soviet state. The government established the Union of Soviet Composers, which played a key role in censoring music and ensuring it adhered to the principles of socialist realism. Music that was considered formalist or bourgeoisie, I don't know if I pronounced that right at all, <laughs> was condemned and composers risked persecution if their work did not align with state ideologies. You even go back to Footloose, right? If you eliminate music, it has an effect. There's a reason that we sing in church, there's a reason that every religion across every country, across every historical time frame ever incorporates music because music influences the mind. And so if you can make one person the most influential musician in the world and then utilize them as a puppet to parrot the opinions that they want, you want them to hold that align with your agenda, why wouldn't you do that? The Cultural Revolution in China is another example. Mao Zedong's cultural revolution sought to eradicate Chinese traditional culture, including its rich musical heritage. Western classical music was also banned. Instead, the government promoted revolutionary music, particularly the eight model operas that were sanctioned by Zhang Qing, Mao's wife. Those operas and revolutionary songs were designed to glorify the Communist Party, Mao Zedong's leadership, and the revolutionary spirit of the Chinese people. This was part of a broader attempt to reshape Chinese culture and align it with the Maoist ideology. And another example, people have talked about this before. I'm not sure if there's any evidence of this, just the same way that we can't say there's any evidence that Taylor Swift Society. but people have talked about how when it comes to black culture in the late 1980s, talking about how rap music and, and not particularly any type of rap music, but rap, well, I guess, particularly a type of rap music, which was the, uh, you know, the violent and drug riddled, gang, uh, promoting type of rap that became popular. And we even see this today with the Travis Scott's, how much Satanism is incorporated into our music scene today. It's bizarre, but it's not bizarre because it's intentional. And so when you go back to the 80s, even the times where the government was literally pushing crack cocaine into the ghetto areas, low-income black communities, the very same time that rap music became what it was, and I love rap. I even love late 90s or early 90s rap about gangster shit and drugs and gang stuff, but like, you can't deny the fact that it influences culture. It influences how people act. It influences how people want to be when they grow up. How do, how, what makes them cool? What type of clothes should they wear? What should they aspire to? Well, when all you hear about in music is selling drugs, making a bunch of money, how good they make you feel and the type of girls that you get when you do it, what do you think you're going to do, right? It, it's, it goes hand in hand. Culture is music and, mutual, er, and music creates culture. It, it, and so um, it, this goes on and on. I, I have other ones which talks about the apartheid South of South Africa. During the apartheid era, the South African government used music as a tool to support its racial segregation policies. Cambodia used it. Iran after the 1979 uh, revolution. North Korea. and North Korea, music is used as a tool of state propaganda to an extreme degree. All music in the country is strictly controlled by the government. Why? Why would they do that? They wouldn't. And and of course, they wouldn't do that here in the United States of America with us free people. right? Our government would never do that. Songs are written in North Korea to glorify the Kim family and the Workers' Party of Korea, often incorporating themes of loyalty, patriotism, and devotion to the leaders. Music is used in schools, workplaces, and public events to instill loyalty to the regime and reinforce its ideologies. There is virtually no exposure at all to international music and creating or listening to non-state approved music can result in severe penalties and when we talk about severe penalties in north korea we're talking about generational imprisonment not just you go to jail but your sister your brother your mother and your three next three generations go to jail like horrible horrible stuff and so music has always been utilized as a weapon by governments Always. And to assume that we're just so far along that our government would never do that. They would never utilize our culture, our music, our art, our movies against us in a way that would not be in our best interest. No, they just let us do whatever. And wherever our culture goes, they're perfectly okay with it. Yeah. Okay. And, and again, this is going to be an unraveling for everybody. And I think this is maybe a really good next one that we can get into as a society, as we've already unraveled the pharmaceutical industry, the medical industrial complex, the government, the politicians, the big money, the lobbying funds, all of that has happened. Now, as a society, I think it's time for us to realize that our culture has been infiltrated for decades. The music you listen to, the movies that you watch, the TV shows on Netflix, the, the articles that you read, the news media that you you take in, every single piece of it, the art that you consume, the art on your walls, all of it, the most famous artists have historically, in some way, shape, or form, and we go back to even the the, the idea of postmodernism. Postmodernism is, is a somewhat new artistic theme, and we're seeing that artistic theme play out today in our own culture. Culture is shaped by art. So that's where they start, right? Postmodernism is the idea that there is no true reality. You have your truth, I have my truth, and there's no two plus two equals five. And so when you realize that That's what they want to instill in your subconscious so that consciously you accept it when they tell you that a male is not a male. A male is a floating soul with no gender binary, and women are just women, and you can just declare it by standing on top of a desk and saying, I'm a woman now, even if you don't have ovaries or the ability to reproduce. So that's postmodernism in action. And that's one way that they took art and implemented that subliminal idea into your subconscious so that later it can be activated and weaponized against you. And so you, you could say, okay, I don't, I don't know any examples of that, Austin. I, I, I couldn't imagine our CIA working alongside artists. Well, let me clue you in, my friend. For decades in art circles, it was either a rumor or a joke, but now it is confirmed as fact. The CIA used American modern art, including the works of such artists as such as Jackson Pollock, Robert Motherwell, William de Koenig, and Mark Rothko, right? Oh, a Rothko, right? You know, like the, the, pretty sure that's like the square and a circle or whatever, as a weapon in the Cold War. Interesting. In the manner of a Renaissance prince, except that it acted secretly, the CIA fostered and promoted American abstract expressionist paintings around the world for more than 20 years. The connection is improbable. This was a period in the 1950s and 60s when the great majority of Americans disliked or even despised modern art. President Truman summed up a popular view when he said, if that's art, then, then I'm a Hot, hot and tot? <laughs> What the? What is a hot and tot? As for the artists themselves, many were ex-communists, barely acceptable in the, Ameri- in, in the America of the McCarthy era, and certainly not the sort of people normally likely to receive U.S. government backing. Why did the CIA support them? Because in the propaganda war with the Soviet Union, this new artistic movement could be held up as proof of the creativity, the intellectual freedom, and the cultural power of the United States. Russian art strapped into the communist ideological straitjacket could not compete. So basically what the idea was that our artists, the way of capitalism is just so much better than everything else. This free expression, the environment of freedom and democracy and all this stuff is so amazing that we just allow brains to thrive. And artistic expression is just so much better here in the United States. And so they took upwards of $20 $20 Twenty. What are they? Twenty million dollars, and purchased this art specifically to prop up. It's like if you if they funneled money into U.S. companies through shell companies, so that they could say that oh, but look at our democracy, our organizations, our shell companies are so much more successful than Russian companies because look at how much money they have. Well you gave them the money so you could make that argument. That's the whole point. The existence of the policy, rumored and disputed for many years, has now been confirmed by the fir- for the first time by former CIA officials. Unknown to the artist, the new American art was secretly promoted under a policy known as the Long Leash. Arrangements similar in some ways to the indirect CIA backing of the journal Encounter, edited by Stephen Spender. The decision to include culture and art in the U.S. Cold War arsenal was taken as soon as the CIA was founded in 1947. Dismayed at the appeal communism still had for many intellectuals and artists in the West, the new agency set up a division, the Propaganda Assets Inventory, which at its peak could influence more than 800 newspapers, magazines, and public information organizations. They joked that it was like a Wurlitzer jukebox. When the CIA pushed a button, it could hear whatever tune it wanted to play across the entire world. Hmm. The next key step came in 1950 when the International Organization's division was set up under Tom Braden. It was this office which subsidized the animated version of George Orwell's Animal Farm, which sponsored American jazz artists, opera recitals, the Boston Symphony's Orchestra International Touring Program, Its agents were placed in the film industry, in publishing houses, even as travel writers for the celebrated Fodor Guides. And we now know it promoted America's anarchic avant-garde movement, Abstract Expressionism. Hmm. Initially, more open attempts were made to support the new American art. In 1947, the State Department organized and paid for a touring international exhibition called Advancing American Art, which the aim of rebuting Soviet suggestions that America was a cultural desert. But the show caused outrage at home, prompting Truman to make his hot and tot remark and one bitter congressman to declare, "I am just a dumb American who pays taxes for this kind of trash." The tour had to be canceled. The U.S. government now faced a dilemma: the, philinst- the phil- philistinism combined with Joseph McCarthy's hysterical denunciations of all that was avant-garde or unorthodox was deeply embarrassing. It discredited the idea that America was sophisticated, culturally rich democracy. It also prevented the U.S. government from consolidating the shift in cultural supremacy from Paris to New York since the 1930s. To resolve the CIA, to resolve the dilemma, the CIA was brought in. Hmm, very interesting. Now this goes on and on and on. This is an article written by Independent um, Independent.co.uk. And the title of it is Modern Art Was CIA Weapon. And it was writ- written uh, on Sunday, the 22nd, October of 1995. Super interesting article. I absolutely think that you could dive into more of the history of that. But I just want to give you that background. That's just one aspect of it where our CIA has been a part of influencing culture through art. Now, we can go into the next part of this, which is called Operation Mockingbird. And Operation Mockingbird was the hand-in-hand CIA operation between journalists, news networks, and Hollywood. And I myself need to do a deeper dive into this, but I had just recalled about this when talking about the Taylor Swift conversation. And and honestly, I didn't think this conversation would go that long. I usually have some warm-up articles sometimes before I get into the deep stuff. But man, this is so interesting to me that I think we could probably sit here for five hours and talk about this but it really is a culture death. You go back and listen to music, go back and listen to Led Zeppelin, go listen to ACDC, go listen to any of the the great musicians of the 1970s and early 80s before the, 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 the fingertips of the CIA started to get into our music. And we have done nothing but go downhill as a society musically there, there's very few examples that you can give me that would even rival any of that. The very first, I'll give you a side story, go down the memory lane real quick. Um, when I was maybe, oh, I don't know, eight years old to eight to 10 years old, probably, uh, my grandparents took me on a train ride to Chicago from Detroit to go see my cousins. And I had just gotten for the train ride a new Walkman. I believe it was a a gray Sony Walkman. And uh, my dad took me to go get my very first CD for my Walkman. And I ended up getting the Led Zeppelin discography. So all I listened to for probably six months was every led zeppelin song ever and that is still to this day my favorite album i have the vinyl upstairs right now that i listen to greatest band of all time in my opinion uh anyways trip down memory lane. So (laughs) uh, we have had a cultural death, an artistic death here in the United States that has been unfolding for decades. You even want to talk about architecture. And I would love to do an interview with somebody who could speak more on this because I'm not an architect and I don't know the history of architecture. But to me, you go back and you look at even go back and look at Roman times, Greek times, go back and look at uh, the Gothic eras and, and go back and look at the the pyramids, like there, go back and look at any history of time in the last two thousand years, and you will see if you took a time machine every hundred years, you would see beautiful architecture, cathedrals, and and uh, political buildings, and and uh, courthouses, and schools, and all of these things are so beautifully. Created because when people used to create architecture, they used to do it to to please the gods. They used to do it because there's a frequency within the, the building that you're in. And, and when you walk up to it and go through that door, there's a feeling that should be associated with that. And that is dead in the United States. Go drive your car around, and the only thing you're gonna see is a box. And a box and a bigger box and a taller box and a wider box. And you drive your box, buy the boxes, and you see the boxes, and you walk home to your box and you open up the box door to get into your box room, to go into your box kitchen, to create something in your box oven and pull something out of the box fridge. To <laughs> it's an endless cycle of squares in, in our culture, in our architecture. And and it's it's so sad to me to see that we just that that's what we live in today. And so when we look at whether it's Project Mockingbird, whether we look at the, the CIA working hand in hand with the art within the Cold War, whether we talk about the, the historical aspects of music, there has been nothing but death of creativity in the United States every piece of culture that has been brought here has slowly dwindled and died. And it seems to me like it died at the hands of the organizations that are being funded by our tax dollars so that they can diminish our creativity and so that they can control your subconscious. And I think bringing it full circle back around to Taylor Swift is that's exactly what has happened here. And now I do have a full article on the Project Mockingbird. Let's see how far are we into this. Wow, we did 38 minutes on Taylor Swift. <laughs> so I think we can move on. But um, I did find a Substack article because it was actually a little bit interesting. Um, it's called Media Manipulation and Operation Mockingbird. Uh, it was written October 14, uh, 2024, and it is from the Reveal, Revealed Eye substack so revealedi.substack.com and it looks like they do a pretty i don't know decent breakdown i haven't read through it all yet but i think 38 minutes on on uh, media manipulation and taylor swift is probably a good start so <laughs> on your own time feel free to go watch that here's a quick video on project mockingbird then we'll move on
3: real concern that planted stories
2: intended to serve a national purpose abroad um, came home
3: and were circulated here and believed here because uh, this would mean that the CIA could manipulate the news in the United States by channeling it through some foreign country. Now we're looking at that very carefully. Do
2: you have any people being paid by the CIA who are contributing from a
1: House Intelligence Committee in to a
2: major circulation American Journal? We do have people who submit pieces to, other, to American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA? who are working for television networks this i think gets into the kind of uh getting into the details mr chairman that i'd like to get into in an executive session
3: uh at cbs uh we uh had been contacted by the CIA as a matter of fact by the time I became the head of the whole news and public affairs operation in 1954 ships had been established and I was told about them and asked if I'd carry on with them we have quite a lot of detailed information
2: uh, and we will evaluate it and we will include any um, evidence of wrongdoing or any evidence of impropriety in our final report and make recommendations do you have any people being paid by the cia who are contributing to the national news services ap and upi Well, again, I think we're getting into the kind of detail, Mr. Chairman, that I'd prefer to handle an executive session.
3: Senator, do you think that you named the new...
2: So the answer is is yes.
3: Uh, That remains to be decided. I think it was entirely in order for our correspondents at that time uh, to make use of the CIA uh, chiefs uh, of station and other members of the executive staff of CIA as sort of...
1: All right, so there you have it. You can go uh, read it through the article there. Um, find it on Substack, uh, reveal.substack.com. All right, so let's move on from that into the next topic, which is going to be that in New York, over the past few days, there has been a bit of a debacle. And one specifically between the Hasidic Jewish community in New York and the New York police. So the New York police showed up to a synagogue in, let's see here. And I, let me go ahead and pull it up. All right. So basically, what happened is the police showed up and they decided that they needed to shut down a underground tunnel system in New York underneath a place of worship where these Hasidic Jews would go and congregate and the idea behind this the mainstream narrative is that these secret underground synagogue tunnels were causing destabilization of the buildings that were surrounding it. So that's the mainstream narrative that's come out in the last day or so. And nine of these Jews were arrested. And now I do want to preempt this with, love my Jewish family. I'm not Jewish, so I don't technically have Jewish family, but you know what I mean. Uh, Love Jewish people. I love Christian people. I love Muslim people. I have no affinity towards any one class over the other. I have my own personal spiritual beliefs. I don't think that any religious beliefs in and of themselves make you a great or a bad person. I believe that there's terrible people who are Jewish, and there's great people that are Jewish. There's terrible people who are Christians. There's great people that are Christians. There's terrible people who are Muslims, and there's great people who are Muslims. I've met them all. Mostly good people across the board. I can't even look at one and be like, hey, I've met a bunch of people in this. No. Every religion has... Bad apples. Just like you can say, you know, there's a bunch of people who say, oh, police are bad. No, they're not bad. There's bad people everywhere in every occupation, religion, uh, country, uh, whatever it is. There's bad people everywhere in every type of thing, but mostly people are good. Mostly people intend good. And I, so there's your disclaimer <laughs> as we go into this, because it's a very, um, very sensitive time for this specific culture. And I get that. And so I'm just going to preempt that. There's your disclaimer. All right. Now, everything from here forward is just me talking, (laughs) but uh, understand it from that framework. Um, So just as we were discussing, there has been a Jewish synagogue that was do creating underground tunnels. They were digging, digging, digging underground tunnels. And so the idea from the Jewish community that was there, and this is a very specific Jewish community. It's the Hasidic Jews. The uh, I can see if I can pull up the exact names of them here for you. Because it, it does matter because this specific culture is known for having to deal with some very specific... Uh, Um, pushback in certain situations in this small area. So this specific uh, Jewish culture, I believe, is a um, more orthodox culture. And I actually have a whole thing here, but uh, to me, it's of Russian descent. And so here, here's the general idea is that they were digging these holes and they claim that they were digging these holes because they were six, they, they started digging these holes six months ago because of the COVID restrictions, or they, they dug them during COVID because they wanted to uh, congregate and practice their faith during a time where they were being told, no, you cannot do that. Okay. Now there's a secondary theory, which is that they are digging these tunnels because the person that they, the, the, the Messiah, I believe that they believe in, says that you have to consistently expand your place of worship, and maybe I'm getting that wrong because we'll get into a thread here in just a moment. Um, but let's let's dive into the timeline of this. So on January 8th, videos circulated that showed a tunnel network under the Lubavitch—that's the specific one, the Lubavitch HQ in Crown Heights—and several Jewish men being arrested. More videos show another Jewish man escaping through another tunnel and a group resisting officers. The building was shut down afterwards. Initially, the claim was that the tunnels were made to pray during COVID. This, according to this thread, okay, and this thread is not, this is not CNN. This is not Fox. This is not, um, it's not a news organization. So, and I guess everything you hear from every organization, because I'm talking about those two too, <laughs> I wouldn't believe Fox or CNN and everything either. Um, but this is the a individual account on X. So take it with a grain of salt. But this seemed to be the most uh, factually and organized article that I could find on this. It says, initially, the claim was the tunnels were made to pray during COVID. This is most likely false. Neighbor with mikvah access as of six months ago, no work on the tunnel had begun since renovation was the main reason the tunnels were noticed. They could have been there earlier. Um, And now they add some receipts here, which says that the tunnel found burrowed under the women's section of 770, possibly destabilizing the building. And there's three, four other articles that are attached to this to back up the idea that they were just stating there. And so the next thing that it states here as we go into that and so that that's the the general idea is that they were saying oh we were doing this during covid because we weren't allowed to worship well it seems to be that that was according to this false because these tunnels weren't started but six months ago now where it really started to get some fuel on the fire is during one of these videos as these people are uh, resisting arrest. There was a, quite the scene. They're flipping over pews and creating these wall barriers as the police are grabbing them and they're pushing back and forth. And like this is the whole chaos ensuing inside of the synagogue. And as that's happening, a guy is breaking down the walls and like a police officer is like, or a, is breaking down the walls and starting to pull people out of it. And one of the, the um, Jewish people that are there pull out a mattress. And on this mattress, this is a soiled mattress that looks to be whether it's old blood or uh, feces or something that's on this mattress. And it seems to be a small mattress um, that some people were saying was meant for uh, a child. And that's kind of what it looks like. Okay. But we won't make any assumptions yet. But that's that's what's probably one of the biggest fuels of the fire. Now the other thing that was very questionable about the situation is one of the people, one of the Jewish guys was escaping and he went through the tunnel system and he came up right next to a child's museum. Hmm. Now, that's not to say that there's children in the museum, but it is to say that the museum is meant for children. And so there has been theories that these individuals were using this for some sort of human trafficking. Okay. Now again, unfounded, a couple weird coincidences. And here's the side part. If these people were just digging tunnels so that they could pray during COVID, more power to them. That's awesome. You should do that. Fuck the government. They can't tell you what you can and cannot do, especially when it comes to your religious practices. So wholeheartedly believe that. If that's what they were doing, awesome. They should do it. Um, But there's a lot of skepticism around maybe some more nefarious reasons why this was happening. And so as we go deeper into this thread and deeper into this article, it starts to talk about some of those things. It talks about the mattress, talks about the, um, the pushing and shoving that ensued. I believe nine people total were arrested that were a part of this synagogue so the next portion this says the contents of the tunnel are very disturbing and don't seem like items extremist students would keep a mattress with a dark stain was found a baby high chair was found as well so that's a weird one the crowd protecting the tunnels isn't small they are also aren't of student age Here's the full video of the tunnel network that we have access to. The video shows passageways that extend that aren't explored. It's unclear whether the other passages might contain. Does this tunnel network look like something done in six months? So it absolutely does not look like something done in six months. So let me share this with you here. Um, this is, it looks old almost to me. It looks like it's been used. There's there's like old chipped paint hanging off of door frames and there's a big uh, like sand lot. Let me go ahead and expand this for you here. But there's the, the high chair. There's what looks like some wheelbarrows, a bunch of just stuff thrown around, cinder blocks thrown around, some carved little tunnel doorways that they're crawling into now with a flashlight. And so as they walk back, it's just a crawl space now essentially from the more uh, substantial part of it. That is where could have been where that person came up into that right, right outside of that children's museum. So that's bizarre. I don't think this was built six months ago. Again, I'm not a, uh, archeologist or whatever the hell you need to be to date that stuff. Um, but it says, where does the tunnel exit to using geo mapping? One of the tunnels exit near the local children's museum. It's also unclear how large the tunnel network is and where the other passages lead as more information comes in We will know how extensive the network is and they show you the photos as to how they know this This is where the video where the guy came out of it. This is the photo where they actually found that same portion of it Um, Discussion of the tunnels online has been avoided by many accounts. Some accounts claimed the tunnels were even fake Israel War Room labeled such discussions of the tunnel anti-Semitic. They claim that it's just a simple building code violation. Hmm. Then why are we getting in, like, fights and arrested over building code violations? You get a... Fine for that. You don't get arrested. You don't get into pushing, shoving matches with the police over building codes. Says the label conspiracy theorist has been applied to people who believe tunnels could have been used to harm kids. No explanation has been given for the stained mattress and baby high chair in the tunnels is the conspiracy or is there more to the Brooklyn community? research reveals a dark history of sexual assault in the Brooklyn area if you do speak out about it you are shunned from the community and harassed disturbing testimony in the article speculates that the number of young boys sexually assaulted could be as high as 50% wow Uh, the community is and there's four different articles that it attaches there the community is very secretive and will oftentimes cover up or silence people who have been assaulted the community is very religious and strict if you go against the grain the community turns against you hmm and they have a video About this specific religious dealing,
3: look at the Saktmar sect. John, good morning. Good morning. Fascinating case, and it's a case that's being watched closely, Anthony, not just because of the allegations that a trusted community leader sexually abused a young girl he was assigned to help, but also because the trial has.
1: Hmm. Okay. So it sounded like maybe a different name of a different sect that he was mentioning here, but within the Brooklyn area, Pull back Jewish a veil, community. concealing the inner workings of a closed community. The trial of... Come on. All right. So here's a further video about how the community shuns those who have been traumatized. They send threats to the survivors, harass them, and have total control over their lives. Police confirm it is very tough to get convictions and to have victims speak out. While we wait for more information, here are some of the questions I and many others have about the tunnels. What was the liquid on the stained mattress? Why was there a baby high chair in the tunnel? Has a full forensic analysis been performed in the area? Where does the tunnels lead? Hmm, all good questions. Do any security cameras have clear view of entrances to the tunnels? If so, have they been subpoenaed? Have there been any people who reported this before the renovations in December 2023 who anonymous, anonymously tipped off the fire department who used the tunnels? How many miners entered the tunnels? Have any miners displayed behavior of a survivor upon exiting the tunnels? Okay, this is like, it's very specific. So there's there's the thread for you. Now, as we go into the uh, culture uh, surrounding this community that we are referencing here, which again, is not just the normal Orthodox Ju- Judaism. It's not. Um, it's a sp- specific religious sect within Brooklyn. It's a very small, tight-knit community um, that are uh, Hasidic, uh, Yadkevik, right? Is that the name of it? So very specific uh, religious sect. So it says, okay, once upon a time, it says, okay, for real, once upon a time in Eastern Europe, a movement called Shabbat was founded. Its founder was Rabbi Schneur Zalman of Leidi. This was in 1812. He was many things, among them a genius, Talmudist, and rabbi, the Kabbalist, and mystic, and the rarest of things, a true original thinker, a Kabbalist, sorry, a Talmudist, meaning he follows the Talmud, um, and a rabbi, and a Kabbalist and a mystic. So it is a really interesting conversation surrounding the mystical Judaism. Uh, there is a whole subsection of, of Judaism uh, and historically much more prevalent back then, but that believed in mysticism. And, And there is certain sections of this that still do, but like literal magic, uh, while a true original of and one of, in my opinion, the greatest philosophers and theologians in the history of humankind, he was also profoundly devoted to his own teachers in the Hasidic tradition and saw himself as the natural successor. The Hasidic tradition was founded a couple of generations earlier, and one of the prophecies is connection and devotion to a master. In Hasidic parlance, above all, Hasidism love and devote themselves to their rabbi as the one who helps connect the soul of the Jew. With godliness. Okay. Sounds a little bit like Catholicism, right? The aspect of Hasidic Judaism made into a lesser extent continues to make some people nervous. However, it has also been extremely thoroughly defended and broadly accepted as a legitimate manifestation of Judaism, which always has its Moses, Rabbi Akiva and Vilna go on. And again, this is a single account. This isn't uh, religious text. This isn't a official person that is sitting here giving me this information, but it is, seems to be pretty legit to me. Um, but I haven't done a ton of research on the theology behind Hasidic mystic Judaism. Um, Rabbi Rabbi Schnur, Shabbat, uh, or Rabbi Schnur Zalman's Shabbat movement, so it's the Shabbat, Hasidic Judaism, is one movement within a much broader Hasidic world full of dynasties of rabbis which each of their own rich traditions and ways. And it's R-E-B-B-E-S, not rabbis. Although it is not a widely studied, they're always emphasized. Point, Hasid- Hasid- Hasidism, Hasidism, as part of their devotion, generally see their rabbi as a Masonic figure. The word is loaded and makes people extremely uncomfortable. It may be worth pausing briefly to explain that Hasidism is seen by... Um, the founding of the movement as a redemptive revelation of Torah, a movement whose original geist is to raise the Jewish people from the spiritual and physical malaise of exile and return them to their deepest soul and identity, a holy nation united with God. The more that holiness and redemptive soul is brought into the world, the more the time of the general redemption, the macronism of that inner redemption draws near. The rabbi is a Torah of flesh and blood that general reality instantiated in a holy and saintly individual. Uh, So much for the brief explanation, they said. Fast forward to the 20th century, the descendant of Rabbi Schnur Zalman, Rabbi Joseph Yitzhak of Lubavitch, survives imprisonment and near execution by the KGB in the Nazi bombing of Warsaw, and after much deliberation moves to New York City. Wow, that's wild. The known reasons for this choice are varied. Some are spiritual, New York becoming a center of influence on world Jewry. (laughs) Not sure that's a word. Um, And some are very pragmatic. The Jews of the U.S. are already monetarily feeding most of the Eastern Bloc Jewry. Thus, the sixth Lubavitcher rabbi, Lubavitch is a tiny town in Belarus that has the home of the longest surviving branch of the Shabbat movement, um, comes to Brooklyn and moves into 770 Eastern Parkway in Crown Heights. The sixth rebbe passes away in 1950 and is succeeded by his son-in-law and distant cousin Rabbi Menchim Mendel Schneerson in 1951. Though he doesn't live in the building, 770 is where his office is located and remains the HQ of the Shabbat movement. Now you have to understand the Shabbat movement in the U S in 1951 can practically fit into a single small room. It is a tiny poor immigrant community remnants of a world for that. The Nazis and Bolsheviks destroyed between them. They had nothing, no resources, no connections, barely any English, a tiny immigrant community in, in what was then a prestigious middle-class Jewish neighborhood in Brooklyn. What they got in 1951, however, was capital L leadership. Not sure what that means. Um, the seventh Rebbe, henceforth the Rebbe, declares in his first official speech that, as Rebbe that this is the generation that will bring a final end to exile and usher in the messi- messianic age. He declares this about a long room full of people. He then sets about changing world Jewry. Again, don't know if that's a word. Uh, books could be written about the Rebbe and have been, but suffice to say, the Rebbe creates from nothing a mass movement devoting to hunting Down in love, the Jews that Hitler hunted in hatred. Hunting down in love, the Jews that Hunter that Hitler hunted in hatred with bringing Torah and Mitzvot in love, the commandments to every single Jew. Shabbat sent, so it sounds like they're trying to just expand among all of the Jewish. People. Chabad centers with no central funding whatsoever, by the way, are opened all over the world. The Rabbi pushes and pushes for a single Jew to perform a single commandment. He seeks to revive a broken and orphaned generation. He expands Shabbat in massive global movement. All of this is just an atheist no nothing. All of this is just what an atheist no-nothing can appreciate about the Rebbe. He barely slept and was totally publicly devoted to other people for decades. Stories of Jews and non-Jews meeting with him are countless, and always he emphasizes the imminent redemption and how to get there. Okay, now it says we get to the sensitive part of the story, but I'm going to try to stick to simple public fact. The Rebbe's emphasis on um, the Messiah grows greater and greater in his final years of leadership. The Rebbe passes away in 1994. The Rebbe's Hasidism very much believed and believe that if anyone in this generation was a candidate to become the final redeemer, according to Jewish law and tradition, it was and is the Lubavitcher Rebbe. However, following the Rebbe's passing, as the dust settles, there is a bit of a split. Some hedonism fervently believe that spreading the awareness of the Rebbe as the redeemer is a core part of bringing about the redemption. They are the Meshikatism. M E S H I C H I S T I M. Their flag is yellow and ubiquitous. The majority of Hasidism and ever growing consolidated core of Shabbat official organs believe that this is not the Rebbe's will. Okay. Um, Now, another issue, 770, the the home and place. Let's see if there's anything specific we want to get into here. Uh, Now, you know a lot about a certain subsection of Jewish culture that you probably never needed to know so much about. Um, Another thing you should know is that even beyond the by now old distinction between uh, the Meshechism and the anti s as they are known, Shabbat is highly decentralized and full of typical politics, territorialism, fights over money and all sorts of very human issues. Okay, Uh, let's see what else. Wow, Um, this person is very thorough in their study of this. Um, And so to the current uh, contremps, you have a global, decentralized, massively successful organization that runs charities and synagogues and helps Jews with problems physical and spiritual all over the world with an official HQ partially occupied by something like a street gang. Sounds like we missed that part, but I'm not going to go back for you. Um, and so uh, this basically just says they're not above violence to claim their own turf. There's a big turf war between that split off between one subsection of this and the other subsection. In any case, this week, the actual ownership of 70 or 770 called the cement trucks to repair this damage and stop the progress on the expansionism. Um, interesting uh basically it says that as a result of this expansionism and taking over this territory they wanted to uh start breaking into uh the the so basically one portion of this subsection lives in the top floor and one portion lives on the bottom floor and so uh you have a global decentralized right like a streaking the safatim have taken upon themselves in recent months unilaterally to expand 770. Their way was doing was starting to break into an adjoining basement. The main synagogue of 770 is in the basement. An old decommissioned ritual bath or mitzvah. 770 is indeed which a mikvah is basically where you're supposed to go bathe bath yourselves, women are supposed to go there before they have their period men are supposed to go there before and after they have sex it's like a It's like you cleanse yourself in this area Um, 770 uh, is indeed far too small for the massive number of people who wish to pray there, study there or something that more and more Hasidism have been seeking a proper solution to for years, however a bunch of teenagers breaking down walls in their free time you be the judge, in any case this week The actual ownership of 770 called in the cement trucks to repair this damage and stop the progress on the expansion. Um, The Sfatim responded territorially. The police became involved and you have videos of yeshiva students escaping arrest through sewer gates. I think that's most of the factual context. You're welcome. (laughs) Wow. Uh, Okay. Super, super interesting. Uh, if you risk, wish to read more on the, about these topics, here are some good books. The Philosophy of Shabbat by Rabbi Nisan Mendel, The Rebbe's Army by Sue Fischkoff, and Rebbe by Joseph Tolshkin. Hmm. Very interesting. Uh, the broad interest in this story on Twitter and beyond is largely anti-Semitic, with filth like this uh, is a dime, a dime a dozen. Looks like something was uh, deleted there. Um, interesting. Okay. So this makes much more sense. To me, and I think was probably important to actually get into the details on uh, than uh, than long term human trafficking under the streets of New York. Uh, so we have come to a conclusion, and that is, I vote not human trafficking. <laughs> that is my that is my conclusion here. I have debunked this, uh, maybe not completely, but. It seems much more likely that that was the case, is that there's a bunch of territorial uh, Jew fights going on, and uh, they're fighting over territory and expanding their territory, and the landlord called on them, and they were digging into the basement, and now we see what we have. A little weird that there was a high chair there, so there's your competing threads, I guess, and one thread being these, uh, this Jewish sect is creating underground tunnels for human trafficking. The other one being, this is a territory war between very, uh, somewhat poor, um, and, uh, emotionally charged organizations for territory. Um, so that, that seems to make a lot more sense to me guys than, than underground human trafficking Jewish rabbis. I don't know. Um, but there is some articles out there of, of, you know, just as you can find for Christians and Catholics of wrongdoings, which if that's the, the, the ruler that you measure everybody's affiliations by, then you can basically say that everybody is running a human trafficking organization then, I guess. All right. So let's move on. The last thing that we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about this somewhat briefly, is the fact that uh, and let me go ahead and actually just pull this article up because I haven't been, I haven't had time to read through this completely yet because this just happened. So this is breaking news: is the fact that the United States and the UK coalition conducted a strike on Houthi rebels, a joint strike. And so, as this article loads, we'll learn more and more. But I guess the the uh, the concern around this. Is that the reason that the the concern around this is obviously that the Houthi rebels are backed by Iran, right? So this is this comes from Fox News, and it says, pull this over a little bit. All right, this comes from Fox News, where it says, as it loaded and unloaded on me. Um, that the US and UK coalition strike Iran backed Houthi targets in Yemen after spat of ship attacks in the Red Sea. So, you've been hearing this back and forth, right? The drone strikes and the aircraft carrier shooting down the drones. And all of this has been going on with these rebel militants that are backed by Iran. And so, what I think is interesting is it's always Iran backed militants. Is, is, are Ukraine in every article by Russia, U S backed Ukrainian militants, do they, I'm sure they understand the proxy war just as much there as, as we do here, right? So if we're calling that every single thing, it's not it's not a war with Houthi rebels, it's a war with Iran. And that's what they're preempting for us. And that, that's what the priming that we're seeing here is before they put Houthi, they put Iran-backed. And that's for a reason. So Yemen's Iran-backed Houthi militants have stepped up attacks commercial, on commercial vessels in the Red Sea in, in uh, previous weeks. It says, the United States and Britain carried out a series of strikes on military organizations and locations belonging to Iran-backed Houthis in Yemen early Friday in response to militant groups' ongoing attacks on vessels traveling through the Red Sea. Fox News is told that there were attacks on more than a dozen Houthi targets by air, surface, and subsurface platforms. The attacks were carried out with support from Australia, Netherlands, Bahrain, and Canada. A U.S. defense official says the U.K. contributed aircraft. President Biden said he'd authorized strikes in direct response to unprecedented Houthi attacks against the international maritime vessels in the Red Sea, including the use of anti-ship ballistic missiles for the very first time in history. These Houthi attacks, Biden said, have endangered U.S. personnel and its allies and have threatened freedom of navigation. These targeted strikes are a clear message that the United States and our partners will not tolerate attacks on our personnel or allow hostile actors to imperil freedom of navigation in one of the world's most critical commercial routes. I would love to hear President Biden say imperil freedom of navigation together. That would be impressive. I will not hesitate, he said, to direct further measurements to protect our people and the free flow of international commerce as necessary. The strikes came shortly after the White House called a lid on President Biden's engagements for the evening as he was not expected to discuss the matter publicly. It follows news that the defense secretary, Lloyd Austin, had not notified the president or other officials of his whereabouts for several days. OK. A joint statement from the government uh, basically said that the strikes were intended to disrupt and degrade the abilities of the Houthis' use to thre- threaten global trade in the lives of international mariners. OK. Um, the big question people have around this is the concern of getting into an engagement with Iran. That seems to be on everybody's mind because if Iran steps in, right, then, then the domino effect happens. Then China could invade Taiwan simultaneously as we're in this engagement with Iran and then Russia in, in the invasion in Ukraine. And then, right, you have all these, these, these pieces, right? When you play chess, you move pieces in a position so that the second – you can cause a break that you're ready to go, right? You, you move your, your rook into a certain position so that he both has a defensive position and an offensive position, but maybe you leave him there for 10 moves, right? Maybe you get, you give him some time while you put other pieces in position. And then there's always a certain time in chess where all hell breaks loose, right? At least when I play, (laughs) I'm not the greatest chess player, but I enjoy it. Uh, But it always seems like it's like waiting, 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 go. And I think that could be what people are concerned about here is that we're, we're seeing this waiting. And the second that the, the the second the United States begins, excuse me, the second the United States begins an engagement with anybody, then we're divided amongst several several positions at one time, and that's not a good thing. So the response to this by Hezbollah, the Hezbollah could strike in U.S., Intel officials warned, and this is at the same exact time. Lebanese terror group Hezbollah may attack American troops or diplomats abroad, or even strike the United States at home, officials told Political Wednesday. Hezbollah could draw on the capability they have to put people in places to do something, i.e., easy immigration into the United States. It is something to be worried about, that official, as well as three other anonymous ones, That publication cited said that the Iran-backed group would likely hit American targets abroad first. The terror group was more capabilities than others in the region, according to the officials, such as a more expansive international network. Many officials in President Joe Biden's administration do not believe that Iran wants a broader war, but they have been working to decrease tensions in the Middle East. Still, recent events have contributed to fears that the conflict between Israel and Hamas could spread its into surrounding countries into the Middle East. Along with its campaign in Gaza, the Jewish state has exchanged fire with Hezbollah since Hamas' October 7th terror attacks. On Tuesday, Hezbollah hit, hit an Israeli base using drones, and the Israel Defense Forces killed three of the terror group's members in southern Lebanon. Hezbollah has said recent attacks on the Jewish state are part of a response to its apparent killing of a Hamas deputy leader in Beirut last week. Hmm. Uh, FBI director Christopher Wray said in early December that the general threat for foreign terrorist organizations has evaluated since October 7th and elevated telling a Senate panel that he saw blinking lights everywhere. I turn. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. In uh, nineteen eighty-three, Hezbollah conducted bombings of the U.S. embassy and Marine bar- barracks in Lebanon during the country's civil war, which saw Israel invade it a year prior. Now, one thing that's interesting about this, as we go back, is that, uh, and this comes from the post millennial. As I was doing some research on this, it says Trump designated Yemen's Houthis as terrorists one day after taking office. Biden reversed it. So the same organization that you know we're talking, we we are. Now engaging in warfare against Donald Trump had them identified and designated as a terrorist organization, and Biden said, No, 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 not that. And now all of a sudden, we're you know bombing them. Um, so found that to be interesting. I guess we'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to dive into that article. If you want to go read it, you can go to the post millennial. But that, my friends, is a scary potential. But I've said this before, and I'll continue saying it you know, be prepared for whatever. Uh, live your life as if nothing's going to happen, but be prepared if it does. And so, there there is some very serious engagements that are happening. I, I don't know what to make of this one yet. We've just heard about it today. Time will tell. But until next time, don't listen to Taylor Swift. Put on some Led Zeppelin. Hope that Travis Kelsey drops the ball. <laughs> <laughs> and if you are in New York and you see a man with a uh, a um, <laughs> you see a, a a a Jewish man pop up from a sewer, don't worry, they're just in a territory dispute with their neighbors. <laughs> All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. Head over, sign up for the Substack, .substack austinadams.substack.com. You will be getting some emails. More recently, I just brought on somebody new to help out with some of that stuff for me so that we can get more content out to you guys. Uh, Anyways, subscribe, leave a five-star review, and have a wonderful day. Thank you. Adam's Archive.